This is Sideline Tackle. Before we get started, a quick announcement. Sideline Tackle will be going on a break during November, which means no new episodes next month. So, if you'd still like to get your soccer lore fix, I recommend checking out Dead Ball Brothers, a weekly podcast hosted by actual brothers Adam and Drew Snavely, in which they recount soccer history with, in their words, a healthy dose of stupidity. Definitely give them a listen, especially if you're interested in a more humorous take on the beautiful game. And now, back to our regularly scheduled program. As we saw in part one, athletes have something of a reputation for being superstitious. Sports in general are known for quirky rituals that help settle the nerves of teams and fans before any big game. And yet, even outside of the extremes of hiring witches and blessing pitches, the soccer population is especially prone to seeking fortune's favor. After all, Many nations refer to soccer not as mere entertainment or pastime, but as a religion. And no one is immune to the church of the beautiful game. Even Pelé himself, one of the greatest of all time, believed that his skills were not entirely at his own feet. One day, while playing for club team Santos in Brazil in the 1960s, Pele gave his jersey to a young spectator, a common act of fan appreciation. But then, he noticed a dip in his performance. A decline in the skills of soccer royalty was unthinkable, and nothing he did to remedy the situation was working. After retracing his actions, he realized the only thing that had changed was his jersey. So, he asked a friend to track down the fan and the jersey. And then, all seemed well. On the surface, it seemed like a straightforward problem solved. Except for one detail. While the friend had given Pelé a jersey back, it wasn't actually the one he thought he needed. Despite the friend's best efforts, the fan, one of thousands in the crowd that day, was simply impossible to track down. The jersey that was returned to Pelé was instead the one he'd worn after he'd given his lucky jersey away. But he believed it was the jersey that he had given away, and his performance did immediately return to his standard greatness. How could this be? If it wasn't the shirt that bestowed Pelé's brilliance, what did? Surprisingly enough, science. Specifically, it was psychology. See, there's more to superstitions than a belief in the supernatural. In fact, 
There's been quite a few studies that have looked into why so many athletes, even legendary greats, have a near dependency on their superstitions. As it turns out, there's concrete evidence that adhering to good luck rituals can objectively and measurably enhance performance. Players train for years to perfect their skills, but come game day, there's so many factors beyond their control. Wind speeds, jet lag, weather conditions, local food, water, atmosphere, just to name a few. At a certain point, it's out of their control. And that's what the need for rituals is really about. A need to regain that control. Psychological studies in publications as highly regarded as Psychological Science and the Journal of Applied Social Psychology have studied why the world of sports is surrounded by these superstitious beliefs. Let's break down what they found. There's two general camps of thought among athletes and staff members. Those who believe that they're fully responsible for their own performance, and those who believe that at least some of their performance is beyond their control. Those in the second camp are, unsurprisingly, far more likely to engage in good luck rituals. But how does that help with a lack of control? Dr. Paul Van Lang, a professor of psychology at VU University of Amsterdam, refers to these rituals as a psychological placebo. As he explains it, a player will basically stumble upon a superstition. When they look back in retrospect after a major victory, they realize that they had left the locker room in a certain order, had brought a coin in their pocket by accident, or had listened to a very specific song, and then they decide to keep that habit going. Those actions, those psychological placebos, are essentially a confidence boost. A habit that gives a player a mental edge when a championship or a title are on the line and every player on both sides is determined to give it their all. In these moments, the difference between victory and defeat can come down to random bounces off of the goalpost or the quality of the grass on the field on any given day. So, superstitions work as a self-imposed illusion of control. An easy mental trick to help settle nerves. Except except it actually works. A series of experiments conducted by psychological scientists and researchers at the University of Cologne in 2009 essentially concluded that when an athlete truly believes in the ritual they choose to engage in, they saw statistically significant improvement in dexterity and memory in performance among many other skill sets. 
So what does that mean? Essentially, it means their mind made that illusion of control real. And the confidence boost that came from that ritual, not just engaging in that ritual, but truly believing in it, made it objectively, measurably, and most importantly, very usefully real. When you boil it down, it works because the athlete's mind says it's going to work. Whether or not you actually believe in the supernatural, there's clearly no denying the power of a good ritual, statistically speaking, as we've learned. Because it isn't the item, or the ritual, or the habit in question that actually impacts the game and player performance. It's the belief that it does that makes it real. Even the biggest names on the pitch rely on their ability to seek a little help from the soccer gods. Sometimes, in return, fortune's favor even truly seems to shine down on them. After all, that's just science. Sideline Tackle is written, hosted, and edited by Leslie Gideon. Stay up to date with the show on Twitter and Instagram at Sideline Tackle. If you like what you've heard, consider supporting me at coffee.com forward slash Leslie Gideon. Don't forget to rate and review on Apple Podcasts. It really helps new people find the show. Have a topic you want explored? Send it in to sidelinetackle at gmail.com. If you want more content, sources, and transcripts, visit sidelinetackle.com. Remember, the game has 90 minutes. The rest is up to you.